This is your Chargers linebacker, Dan Henley, and you're tuning in with Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Kepner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Aura Athletic, Greens, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. There's a different vibe in the air when the pads come back on during training camp, and our very own Dan Wolkenstein was boots on the ground, freshly cut grass under his feet as he was on the player side of the field. I'm sure it did. And as far as what I have heard, the sound of people hitting other people rang loud today during training camp. So I have not heard a single peep. This is be a nice little, you know, I guess, tease for this. I have not heard a single peep from Dan all day in terms of what took place in training camp. So everything that he is about to tell me is completely fresh. I saw a little bit of his Twitter notifications. He was there. He was reporting very extensively, but we're going to get into everything as it relates to Chargers training camp week two, first day with pads. Dan Wolgenstein, quick recap. Number one, how was it out there? Any quick observations before we get into the real quick or big time breakdowns of this? Yeah, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you, Jake. How are you doing? I'm I'm fine, dude. I'm just I, I'm waiting. I was bummed <laughs> I couldn't. I was bummed I couldn't be out there with you today. Uh, so that that job was that fell on your shoulders today. But it didn't sound like uh, didn't sound like it was a day that wasn't fulfilling. <laughs> no, no, it was the day. The day did not disappoint, and there was a ton that was taken away from today. And honestly, of the camps that I've been to so far. I think I got the most out of this one with pads than any of the other ones. Um, high live, high level observations. One JC Jackson returns with pads on 11, 11, seven on seven out there in warmups, stretching everything, which we'll get into that and how insane that is. Um, depth is really starting to show its true colors. You're seeing that with the receivers. You're seeing that with some of the DBs, both safety and corners. Uh, you're seeing physicality and intensity ramp up. Uh, you saw a little uh, increased amount of physicality, if you will, from Eric Hendricks and Gerald Everett today. Uh, uh, Cameron Dicker, kicking-wise, made all of his kicks but one. Long of 53 was good with few yards to spare. I don't know if he went seven for eight of eight of nine, one of the two. Um, you're seeing lots of folks kind of getting into this tackling fundamentals and kind of buying in. And again, today that was kicked off at the very beginning. They went into tackling fundamentals. So overall, I would say the defense had a pretty darn good day today. Receivers looked good. Um, Interesting comments from the podium, but those are kind of the main takeaways, which we'll kind of get into a little bit more depth in a bit. But uh, before we get to that, Jake over or under, this will be a quick preview. Uh, Six. So I'll go five and a half over under five and a half. Pass breakups for a one Dean Leonard today. What would you guess? Over or under? Which that's, that's a, a huge number. That's a huge line. I'm going to say like this has under written all over it. So are you going under? I'm going under. I don't know the answer to this, but it darn well felt like he had 37 pass breakups today. It what? wasn't 37, obviously, but Dean Leonard was killing it. In pass breakups. It felt like every other pass breakup was from him. So high praise. Good day for Dean Leonard. Okay. Although he was on the bad side of a couple plays. 
he was also on the good side of a lot of them. So you, there's a few times where the defensive sidelines was like getting pretty jazzed and riled up for him because he was having a pretty good day, crossing his arms, flexing on a little bit. Uh, Dean Leonard showed out. Uh, Jake, talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Want to remind everybody that Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your very own home. All you got to do to get into the action is head on over to the website and use your mobile device to join. Be sure to use that promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Jake, offense or defense slash special teams? Which would you like to go first? You know, I'm really excited about this, Dan, because as you and I alluded to over yesterday and day two of training camp, that it, this has turned into a little bit of a heavyweight fight between prize fighters. Outside of day one, it doesn't seem like one side is truly dominating the other. So it's nice to hear some of those things that you had just said as far as say, yeah, defense had their moments, but so did the offense. And this is the type of competition that you would hopefully expect from both of these units in training camp. So I feel like what I came across today on Twitter was a little bit more highly praised on the defensive side of the ball so i'm going to turn it around i'm going to say let's hear about the offense first offense first okay Um, i would agree with you by the way i think defense if i had to kind of encapsulate it i would say the defense was more consistently good there were obviously some splash plays on offense but defense had a day uh so offense uh trey pipkins was not out there today uh he was he tweaked something the last practice he foster sorrell was out there for him today brent staley afterwards the press conference said that he expects him to be back soon Again, it's just precautionary, not a big deal. Um, Darius Davis uh, was seen on offense a bit today. Uh, had one catch in red zone drills that was incredible. It was like this diving, jumping catch. I forget who's over. Um, unfortunately, landed out of bounds, but you can see kind of how the offense is starting to get him out in space, try to get him more and more involved. I think the high love, the highlight for me from the offense today is kind of this emergence of John Hightower, the wide receiver who the Chargers picked up last season. I asked Brandon Staley about this at the press conference at the podium today, and he had pretty high praise for a one John Hightower, saying it was a good observation because today, Jake, he had three more touchdowns added to his belt or under his belt. So Hightower's really kind of picked up some steam, and Brandon Staley talked about kind of his um, feel for the game and kind of getting more and more comfortable with the offense and Justin Herbert and having kind of the right size speed combination and it's really starting to impress. And so when you think about the end of the roster, especially wide receiver and possibly wide receiver six, everyone thought that was Guyton's job. No question. Guyton's not playing right now. Nursing injury still on the pup list. If it was me right now, it's not even close. John Hightower is wide receiver six. It's not close. I'm happy to say that John Hightower's play and rapport with Justin Herbert has carried over more than just that one practice that, or excuse me, two practices. Cause when you and I were out there on day one, I believe that he had also caught a couple passes from Justin Herbert, but then it really carried over into the weekend where he really showed out. It's nice to see that trend continue and the rapport that's built with him. Dan, I, you and I talked about this off air. It was kind of a question mark because he was he was literally signed last year as soon as Jalen Guyton went down last September. He saw nothing. And never once 
was promoted to the active roster last year, even though he was probably the next fastest guy that you had out of all of the wide receivers that were part of your active roster or your practice squad. And we're talking about a guy here who obviously was a former fifth round pick, was drafted by the Eagles, spent some time with them. They ultimately let him go, has 4-4 speed. Chargers picked him up and it's like, okay, let's just essentially just keep him in reserve. And now to see him jump out like this in training camp when really, Dan, we weren't talking about him. The attention was between the battle between Pokey Wilson and Jalen Guyton and not a lot of people in general, talked about this as a possibility. This is refreshing, as in my opinion. This is very refreshing because this does still fill that speed element that you want because if we are talking about differences between Pokey Wilson, Jalen Guyton, the one biggest thing that he had over him was obviously the speed factor. John Hightower closes the distance in this regard. He's obviously still has more of experience than Pokey Wilson does right now, and I'm not trying to poo-poo on pokey wilson or say that there is no chance but look these are these are the type of the these as dan alluded to last week these are the type of camp surprises that come out of nowhere that surprise people so every time that we think we know what's going to happen something else tends to happen so in this regard yes jalen guyton is not practicing still has not participated in otas and minicamp he's still nursing his knee injury uh still as as of now on the pup list we'll see when he ultimately ends up coming back but right now john hightower is reaping the, the benefits. Yeah. And the fact that Brandon Staley is kind of confirming that observation of, wow, like John Hightower is kind of making some plays here. He's got the coach's eyes. And other than, I mean, we don't really hear Pokey Wilson's name or see Pokey Wilson making splash plays. So that's a big storyline to kind of get into. And the fact that he does bring that speed, I think he's like technically low four fours and, Jalen Guyton, I think, was like a 4-3-9-ish. So, like, they're essentially kind of the same genre of speed. That's what you want as depth. You cannot let that speed element go now that you have it on this team due to injury or anything. So now you think about speed. You've got Darius Davis, Quentin Johnson, Jalen Guyton, John Hightower, all four of those guys, low 4-4 or faster. And some of them much faster than that. So that's a big storyline for me as we continue to watch, see where that goes. Speaking of wide receivers, Josh Palmer had a really, really good catch today, uh, diving across the goal line in red zone drills. They had a bunch of red zone drills today, Jake, uh, more so than I've seen in quite some time. I, I probably saw three, four, at least separate segments of just red zone uh, focus. Uh, Isaiah Spiller had a pretty good uh, catch and run out of the flats today. Uh, you don't really see much from Isaiah Spiller. so And now it kind of appears that there is really like an RB2 camp battle right now like i don't necessarily i couldn't tell you if spiller or kelly has the leg up and today, I, I sorry go ahead and finish. i was just saying today there's a bunch of running game practice and focus and brandon Staley alluded to that he said there's a lot of runs and that was on purpose today you know they they want to pads you want to get kind of the trenches going the linebackers everybody hitting tight ends in the running game was put to work today and you really didn't see much given up by this defense and it's kind of it's hard because you know if the, if the running defense is doing great it means running offense isn't doing great and so like you want to see both do well if i had to choose though i'd probably rather see the run defense do well than the run offense just because of that was the achilles heel last year for this team but isaiah spiller has splash play today i think it's worth mentioning 
I was going to ask that because obviously with the pads coming on, your your focus goes to the trenches to see the battle when these guys get to have contact with one another. And I was hoping that this was going to open up things in the running game. Did you happen to notice in terms of, you know, and this may be trivial as it stands right now since this is really the first padded practice, but just in terms of the order in which the running backs were coming out, obviously you'd still have Eckler getting first team reps and snaps, but was it kind of a, was it still kind of a split and a rotation between Spiller? It was, it really felt like a, like a, I don't know, like they they were splitting the second job. And at this point, I don't necessarily know which one's in the lead. And today didn't really give any prediction. Didn't really provide any more clarity of who deserves it. So I think this is one of those, like kick the can down the road to the next practice and see if somebody can kind of extend their, their lead or subtract from their lead. Uh, I guess the last kind of main one that I noticed Donald Parham is a physical freak. And when you see him in red zone drills against any DB, doesn't matter it other than Derwin James, if I'm being honest, like those DBs get desperate in a hurry. And it just seems like there's a lot of panic when you have to go up against a tree like that. And at least two separate times, Donald Parham drew pass interference on red zone plays because the DB really has nothing they can do other than either draw the flag or give up a touchdown. And then you tack on top of that, Quentin Johnston still mossing folks. The guy's making incredible plays. He did have a couple drops and drills, I believe. But in the actual practice sessions, 11 on 11, 7 on 7, that's what matters. Quentin Johnston still giving Chargers fans a lot to be excited about. Yeah. High pointing the ball, still making impressive catches throughout the first week. It doesn't look like the second week uh, is going to be any different thus far. No. Um, going back to that, that parm aspect, we've touched on it a lot here. When the Chargers get inside the red zone, we've been waiting for two tight end sets to dominate. And as Dan said, physical freak, Donald Parham does not go unnoticed wherever he's at, whether he's on a football field or not at six, eight. So to use this, his skill set, and to use the size of Gerald Everett and Donald Parham. And again, we're not even talking about the likes of Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, or Quentin Johnston in this, in this conversation, there are a lot of mismatches that you could take advantage of opposing defenses with this. So I'm happy to see that they've already started running that. I, I figured when we were talking, started talking about red zone drills, but now I just want to see that transition into actual game time scenarios when they're inside the 20 yard line. And I will caution folks who are like begging and pleading for two tight end sets. And that's what we saw in Dallas. Again, remember like Kellen Moore says he's tailoring this to the offense that he has. And so on this offense in LA, what would you rather have in the red zone? Like Donald Parham and Gerald Everett? Or would you rather have like Donald Barham, Mike Williams, or Donald Barham, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston at this point? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be two tight end sets, but the goal is get the tall guys out there for mismatches. Yes. yes. And the Chargers have a lot of that. Yeah, and nor nor do I expect it to happen every single time. You know, this is this isn't Dalton Schultz we're talking about here. We're not talking about that type of tight end production, but still, when you have essentially trees out there and among these type of weapons with a six, six quarterback and Justin Herbert, you can take advantage of opposing defenses on in a number of different ways. Yep. So that's, uh, those are kind of my main takeaways for the offense. Uh, But like you mentioned, Jake, the defense 
had a lot to uh, express themselves on today. And there's a lot of praise going around because of it. Before we get to the defense, Jake, let's talk about our friends over at Aura who are helping with some identity theft prevention. We actually use them personally. There are some identity theft fraud things going on with Charges Unleashed on Twitter. People are trying to impersonate us. So it is important. People are trying to get access to your information. Uh, take a listen to our friends over at Aura for 53 seconds. We'll be back to talk about how the defense shined on Charges Unleashed. Have you ever Googled yourself and were shocked to see your personal information exposed on one of those public listing sites? <gasps> Data brokers are making a fortune selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. And brokers everywhere are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to, but they make it super hard to do. So let Aura handle that for you. You could try Aura for up to two weeks using this link that we're going to put up here on the screen. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you cannot see. So make sure to check out Aura.com backslash Charters Unleashed to get a 14-day free trial and see if your personal information has been leaked online. So, defensive time. And this was a fun topic conversation. I think this is where I probably got more excitement from today's practice was flipping over to the defense. And it started right off the bat with J.C. Jackson walking off the bus with pads on or holding his pads in his helmet. And you think, wait, is he going to be like participating today? Which it would be silly for him not to if he's bringing those things in. And how much would he be participating? And then all of a sudden you see the team start doing drills and he's out there. And they start doing warm-ups and stretches and he's out there. And he starts getting gassed up by one of the coaches before he puts his helmet on. And then you're like, oh, he's still going. And then seven on seven start. He's there. And then 11 on 11s are there. And you're like, oh my God, what are we watching here? After a torn patellar gruesome injury, for him to be ready for training camp day one first. Well, for hell, for him to be even athletic at this point is impressive. Then to get to training camp, you saw the videos for day one. And then you think, okay, well, maybe, you know, let's pump the brakes. We're trying to bring him in slowly. Probably won't be there for day one with pads because of physicality. Let's kind of go slow. Nope. I personally don't remember a recovery from an injury this accelerated from like a timetable perspective, what you've seen and what your expectations are than what we've seen from J.C. Jackson. Since I have covered slash been a fan slash lived in Southern California, this is pretty insane. And like we're in uncharted territories with how quickly he went from that horrendous injury to now strapping up opposing players on offense. And what I read was, Dan, he, he matched up a lot today with Joshua Palmer. And I guess yep. they had a back and forth battle going. You know, Palmer won some, J.C. Jackson won some. I saw him against I got saw him against Quentin Johnson as well during red zone drills as well. Um, yeah. Look again, different from being game ready, but the fact that this staff has confidence in him to go out there during eleven on elevens. Again, we're talking like this is a lot more physical than just running around with shorts and t shirts. That's a huge vote of confidence for him, for the staff for Derek Ansley, for fans, for that corner group, 
for the depth. Like now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. So that was, I think, overarching. Probably the biggest takeaway was like, holy crap, JC Jackson's already now able to be in pads. This is insane. Then after that, we talked about tackling fundamentals was a big thing that was kind of rotated through position groups and multiple drills at the very beginning. Uh, Jazir Taylor, Jake, still there with the first team in a lot of the drills, a lot of 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11. Seven, um, he did get beat a few times, but Jazir Taylor did punch back today. And now with pads on, you're able to see some of his physicality kind of shining through. And at one point in 11-on-11s to end the day, Jazir Taylor was targeted three separate times consecutively gave up zero completions all three incomplete uh had a really good one i think it was on quentin johnston that he had it on uh also had on mike williams i don't remember who the third one was jazir taylor is now punching back speaking of corners asante samuel jr also had an interception no it was not on justin herbert he did have an interception was not with the ones so this CB3 quote-unquote camp battle is going to be something to continue to monitor. And this could also be something that maybe this means Jazir Taylor could be maybe more utilized in goal line situations than Asante Samuel Jr. would. Maybe Asante Samuel Jr. could be utilized in maybe between the 20s, so to speak. And that physicality may be able to help a little bit more in the red zone than it does out in the middle of the field. But Jazir Taylor had a pretty good day today. And I thought that was telling because we just talked about how Asante Samuel Jr. was balling out. I love this. I love this camp battle. This is probably my favorite camp battle of all. And again, we keep it, it seems like every day people have something to say about this battle between Asante Samuel Jr. and Jazir Taylor as far as who should be starting, who shouldn't be starting. I will say it again. This competition between these two, one is not going to eliminate the other. There will be plenty of usage of both of these guys in this secondary with Brandon Staley and how Derek Ansley are going to plan to deploy them in certain sets. I will say it again. They both have strengths that are going to be used properly for this team. Pass defense, man-to-man, nickel, zone defense, whatever you want to call it, they both have strengths to their game. But I love this competition, Dan. I love it. Last, last week, it felt like Asante Samuel Jr. kind of got the leg up with some of the plays that he was making. Jasir Taylor, as we talked about, seemed like he got you know on the shorter end of the stick a little bit in terms of how many times he was beaten by wide receivers. But today, again, not a flawless day, but to end practice on three straight incompletions that were thrown in his direction... That's good. That's a good way to respond. Yeah. Jazir Taylor and Asante Samuel Jr. were not the only DBs who performed really well today. Raheem Lane had a really good pass breakup today. Dean Leonard also had a, a ton of pass breakups today. Uh, you saw Mike Davis doing really well, looked very comfortable. JC Jackson was out there, like you mentioned, with Josh Palmer. The, D, D, the DB group specifically looked pretty in sync, which you'd love to see. I think that has something to say about the communication on that group. At one point, Derwin James was all hyped because at the end of one of the red zone drills, they gave up nothing. And he was like, yep, that's 0 for 3. He's screaming it as he walks off the field. Uh, There's a lot of energy being spouted out by that defense today. 
And you heard a lot of like turn me up moments. That was uh, it was fun to watch. And I think some of the Derek Ansley-isms, I think, are kind of starting to bleed into this defensive roster on the field where like they'll get chirpy, like they'll get chippy. And but it's all from a passion standpoint. And so DBs overall looked really good. And then I think it was Raheem Lane that is honestly, he just continues to show growth. There was one where I think he should have had an interception. Uh, he had a great pass breakup in the red zone and ended up the ball was right in his hands after one of the blocks, but I uh, didn't get it. But he's he's there. He's there. Otherwise, um, overall intensity, we talked about pads being on. Like that's where you start to see folks start getting physical and you start to see guys kind of taking it beyond the whistle in a good way. And uh, Eric Hendricks, Gerald Everett were getting pretty darn physical at one point, which was very fun to see. And you love seeing that from Eric Kendricks because one of the things that I feel like he is is very purposeful. And, you know, he seems like a very calm, cool, nice guy, but like he's an all pro for a reason. And when you see that happen, there's a reason for it. And last but not least, defensive goal line situations. Brandon Staley talks about it at the podium after the fact, but they were doing a ton of running drills on 11-11, running plays, excuse me, on 11-11 and 7-on-7. In red zone, from what I saw, defensive line was stout. And there were multiple times where the series ended on a goal line run short of the red zone, short of the end zone, which is great music to your ears. If you're looking for the defensive side of the ball to do better from a running game perspective, offensive side (laughs) TBD, but the defensive line and defense is certainly kind of setting the standard, if you will, of kind of taking what happened last year personal, at least it looked like so. Those are kind of the main quick key takeaways, offense, defense. I mentioned special teams. Cameron Dicker uh, was kicking today, made all but one. Uh, J.K. Scott in the background, which is booming them on the on the far field at one point. And I was like, you know, I could get out my stopwatch to time this, but I'm like, I know how freaking high these were going. So uh, J.K. Scott doing J.K. Scott things. Overall, though, seemingly no injuries. I call it a success. Uh, padded day was came and went. You saw a lot of kind of things that were storylines to go into it starting to express themselves. Dan, I heard a couple nuggets from the podium today because I know Brandon Staley was up there. I know Khalil Mack was up there and you had an opportunity to get in your questions plenty of times up there at the podium today. Any other takeaways um, that anybody said up, up, up today that you felt was an interesting perspective? Yeah. Quentin Johnson would rather be on the field than playing geometry or then, then, in the geometry classroom, excuse me. I, I did hear him talk about the heat in Costa Mesa has nothing on Texas. <laughs> yes. Uh, Quentin Johnson seems like he fits right at home. You know, he's always trying to improve. Uh, he does a lot better in terms of growth and development on the field than he does in the classroom. And so these days like today are invaluable for him. Uh, Khalil Mack, uh, I asked him a question about kind of how he took the Joy Bosa comments in relation to him kind of taking it personal to improve on the running game and be a better run defender. And, you know, Khalil Mack basically was like, I wouldn't be more concerned if he wasn't that kind of leader and didn't have those thoughts of trying to improve. And Khalil Mack said, I hope all of us 
have that same mentality of needing to improve as a run defense. Uh, and that's what you need. Uh, Khalil Mack was also a funny little nugget. He was talking about uh, Thule, and they confirmed he does he does also call him sir, uh, along with Joey Bosa. But he did have a lot of high praise for Thule. Kind of talks about him being like a, a fast learner, high motor, knack for the football, um, which you haven't got a chance to see much of that yet. But when you're getting praise from a lot of the key guys on this defense about your play, that says a lot. So for folks who are not expecting Thule to be contributing this season, you're in for rude awakening. I think it's I, coming. Speaking of praise, I did hear him praise Rashawn Slater and, and his growth and maturation and talking about how he's basically way ahead of himself for what he should be going into his third year in the league, which pretty much lines up how he subtly put it last Wednesday when we had him on the show, when I was asking him like, Hey, you know, going up against Khalil, you know, you felt like he was doing some things differently early last season. Do you feel like he kind of come around? Do you think you feel like you got something for him? And of course, you know, he chose the very diplomatic answer so to, to give in that circumstance, but it's, it's nice to hear that from a veteran like Khalil Mack, that as good as we know that Rashawn Slater has been since he's gotten here, to get that type of praise from a veteran like Khalil Mack is always something to hear. Yes, and Khalil Mack talked about like how savvy he is, he being Rashawn Slater. And don't forget, Rashawn Slater essentially is in his sophomore season. He played a few games last year. So we're talking like two years going into his second year. Like, he played two he played two games in 20 minutes last year. <laughs> Pretty much is what he played. <laughs> like so for him to be this savvy and this dialed in with being this much removed from football for so long, like to be that savvy, that young, that good, that early and be your cornerstone left tackle. Like Justin Herbert's got a good one. And you talked about the offensive line as a whole. I think this offensive line versus defensive line thing is going to get interesting as padded practice continues. And I do want people to remember it's not necessarily bad if you're not seeing splash plays on either side. Like that kind of, to me seems like it's like a lot of heavyweight battles. And when you're having kind of this gridlock, which at times it seemed like that today, that's the sign of two high quality teams on both sides of the ball going at it. And so, like, for example, today, for the whole whole bunch of goal line runs, it was kind of a gridlock. And I, I kind of think of that as like a, you know, a 10-7 football game to end the score and the game versus like 34-37. You have to win in different kinds of ways. And I think that's what this coaching staff is looking for to kind of implement and to kind of uh, showcase as they go through. So I know I went rapid fire. I went through a lot here. I uh, wanted to kind of keep this one short, but keep it sweet. Anything else, Jake, that you saw? I was out there, so I wasn't able to see any news, things that broke. Was there anything that I missed that you saw as kind of key takeaways from areas of the field I was not at during practice? No, again, I there from the little pieces that I was able to read during my time this morning, uh, we covered those. So day one of practice, in terms of the trenches goes, it seems like the trench work, even with Trey Pipkins not out there, but still seems like a positive update that it's not too serious and that Brandon Staley says we'll see him out there soon. Trench work is underway. This is where we really get to see the run game aspect. So I'm interested to see 
what type of rotation basically evolves out of this between Kelly and Spiller. And as far as what I heard, the entire roster, as far as the running backs goes, was getting activity today and getting their reps, something that I don't feel like we saw at all during week one. It was it was from Eckler to Kelly to Spiller to Roundtree, and that was about it. So the full stable, I heard, was getting work today. Uh, and again, like you said, it's it seemed like it was another heavyweight type of fight, and I agree with you on that sentence that you said there, Dan, in terms of you can't see splash plays all the time because if you did, then yeah, we may have to question this defense a little bit. But it, nice to see, absolutely. Justin Herbert slinging rockets down the field, 100%. But to see this offense and defense feeding off of one another and trading blows back and forth, and we're not just talking about like one day here. To me, this is the third consecutive day that these type of plays have been happening back and forth between the offense and defense, and you got to love it because camp battles like this and to have them this early in camp is only going to bring out the best of this team. Camp battles will continue. Training camp day four takeaways were just given. Day five starts tomorrow. Uh, we will be there to cover it for you. Uh, we'll be here to cover it for you, excuse me. Uh, for Jake Hefner, find him at Jake D. Hefner, myself at Dan W. Sports. Uh, be on the lookout, by the way, as we close. Tons of giveaways. Wow. Tons of guests. I will say wow to the giveaways. Uh, happiness for the upcoming guests for sure but Plural. definitely definitely wow to the giveaways so keep your eyes and ears open for when those announcements are coming down the pipe yes upcoming guests upcoming giveaways and upcoming events all happening with lafb charges unleashed but until then dan wilkinson jake hafner charges unleashed and lafb we'll talk to you next time on chargers unleashed